0: One of our clients came back and and didn't have a great NPS score. In our um, NPS lifecycle chart in Customer Gauge, they were in our red zone, right? And uh, and they were they were on the you know they're in the eighty percent of our large revenue. I mean, they were basically a big customer in our red zone. And I remember the service delivery manager saying, "Oh, like that surprises me." Every time I talk to the manager, he's like, "Oh, everything's great," right? And Really, but his score on our MPS was not that high. And so it kind of revealed like, oh, there's wow, I didn't even realize that this cl- this client was as unhappy as they are.
1: everyone and welcome back to another episode of the account experience podcast i am here as always with my co-host carrie t self say hello carrie hello everyone and today guys we have another fantastic customer on the podcast we welcome leif cedar bloom he's the director of cx at effortless office how are you doing today
0: life i'm doing great guys glad to be here
1: we're excited to have you and i know uh just to dive right in Kerry has this really great story about like our first interaction with effortless office and with you. So I'm going to kick it right over to Kerry to tell that story.
2: It's one of the unique things we're going to do here is start at this point and then tell your whole story. But it's late in December, close to the end of the year. And we get a phone call and it's like, we have a company who needs us, but there's a catch they need us in a couple of days. And I'm thinking okay this is going to be interesting and i think it was like three days we had if i'm not mistaken of a window but it's like no they really need us to send their first survey out by like wednesday of next week it was friday and so of course we're like we'll give it a shot but i think what the question all of us are asking is why the sense of urgency what happened that caused someone that we've been talking to for a bit though to say no no, no we need you by next Wednesday. We'll, we'll put our name on that contract and we'll do it. So Leith, that's that's where I'm going to turn it over to you. What, what the hell was going on <laughs> the third week of December that that there was such a quick turnaround and we wanted to get you up and running so fast?
0: I think it, it, it became, it was the second week of December that you guys got that call from us saying, hey, let's do this quick. And it was the third week of December. We actually got the survey out and got our results. So we have quarterly rocks, how we organize it. Our business right our um you know quarterly project goals we call them rocks and you know i had one of my rocks was to get an nps score and you know and honestly like going into the end of the year we didn't have the budget for this right so so the idea of you know the not insignificant investment that customer gauge requires was just like it wasn't in my realm of possibility so i was literally you know i was I was in the process of um, it's like Salesforce had told us you could do it with, you know, you could do customer surveys with Salesforce. And it's the old Salesforce, like, yeah, you could do it on their platform. But if you want to really do it right, you're just, you're, you're buying another plugin, much like Customer Gage and, you know, and integrating it, right? They're a very basic tool for doing surveys, which is what they said would work, right? So I was planning on doing an MVP roll out. And that's when I got a call from our CEO saying, Hey, we just got notice from one of our clients that they're leaving. You know, how did we not see this coming? And I'm asking myself, how did we not see this coming? Uh, and what it, you know, what it was was it was a, it was one of our clients that was, you know, one of these kind of just quiet clients. They, you know, really hadn't been engagement had been low. Right. And the, and the false assumption is that if engagement is low, everything's good. That's a false assumption right? As you guys know. And, you know, all of a sudden we're getting noticed that, you know, they're, they're leaving and, and, you know, when you've got, you know, a hundred plus clients, you know, the, the truth is the squeaky ones get the grease. And so here's a quiet one that just like kind of, you know, overnight was just like all of a sudden, you know, but that, you know, that $4,000 a month client or, you know, with a $2,000 a month clients, um, you know, over a year, that's, you know, that's a, that's one of our, you know, it becomes a salary of one of our techs. I mean, it's like not an insignificant amount of money. So that's kind of, it's like I had the project on my radar, the the pain came up. And the cool thing is our CEO is very customer experience. Like he, I kind of introduced the language of customer experience as opposed to customer service, but he's always been white glove customer service. I mean, it's just been part of our ethos as a company. So it really came down to it just, it became the right timing for, because for, he came to me basically saying, how do we get ahead of this? And I had already been tar- talking to Clark for months, knowing that I didn't have the budget, that it wasn't going to be something I could roll forward with. And I said, well, I already have a solution. And it was just, you know, it, it became um uh, customer gauge made it easy. You know, there was, um, frankly, there was uh, language in your guys' quote wrapper about, we guarantee it. It's like, if after you guys sign up with us, you're not totally satisfied, you don't have a certain amount of time to pull out of the contract, right? So it made it very easy. It's like that and the fact that you guys basically said, hey, sure, we'll help you, right? And just that first survey, like immediately after putting out the first survey, as soon as you see the results, the results speak for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that whole, that how do you, how do you kind of get somebody to get the results before they're actually clients, which you know, I hear you know, it sounds like you guys have actually put together a little strategy like this, where it's like, hey, how can you, how can you just like spit out one relational survey? Because honestly, the amount of effort that it took for Brandon to get us spun up, he was really good, he got us spun up really quick, we got these results really quick. One relational survey alone almost pays for the value of you know of a year's worth of service so we were already collecting a customer satisfaction score which was really a user satisfaction score through our ticketing system so every time somebody opens a ticket you know every time they open a ticket they get a survey saying you know did we do good thumbs up thumbs down and we were doing really well in our customer satisfaction score. I mean, our customer satisfaction score for 2020 was 98.2%. I mean, very, very strong from a numbers perspective, right? But it wasn't strong from a learning perspective. You know, that 1.8% of feedback, it's like wasn't bringing us a lot of feedback, right? So there wasn't a lot of learning happening from that number. It's a great number to be able to put out there, but in terms of actually improving what we're doing, it wasn't really helping all that much. So the CEO approached me, basically said, "Hey, you know, this just happened. How do we, how do we get ahead of these in the future?" And that's why I said, "Well, that's where we should have a more formal NPS program, and we should be using a more, you know, a, an actual NPS software to do this, so that like these don't hit us out of left field, you know. And, and the reality is, out of our, you know, hundred plus clients, you know, hundred plus active clients, it's like, what are the what are the 20% we should be focusing on that are most at risk? We didn't have a good insight into that. And again, our customer satisfaction score we were getting out of our tickets wasn't a good measure of that. So it was the quickness came because this is already a rock of mine. We had a we had our holiday party coming up in a week. And part of my goal was to present our NPS results as part of the, our holiday party. And and on the, I think the holiday party is actually an important element of this, of the timing, because 2020 was, a, was an interesting year for us all, right? So after, after essentially being cooped up in our home offices for a year, I had gone to the company and said, hey, you know, because part of my role here is not just our customer experience, but our employee experience as well. And I'd gone to the company and said, guys, you know, we always have a holiday party. Obviously, it does not make sense for us to get the entire company together in a bar in Vegas because, you know, we couldn't survive if, you know, more than a couple of people were out sick all at the same time. So let's do a virtual party. And of course, everybody's like, a eh, virtual party that doesn't sound pretty cool. And I was like, no, we're going to do something cool. And I worked with, uh, worked with some folks to put together a, uh, a party in virtual reality. We held a party in alt space. We rented headsets for the entire company and shipped people, you know, for the weekend, these VR headsets, and, you know, had 50 people show up to a virtual reality party. So that was the party we had planned and I was going to be really, you know, uh, my my goal was to be be able to say as part of this, like, hey guys, you know, we have an NPS score now and we're, you know, we're kind of to show progress, right? Like part of of this, part of a good NPS program is just is progress over perfection, right? It's like you know, it's not the goal is not to get to a NPS of 100. The Goal is to continually just show progress. And so I was part of kind of the emotional experience. I really wanted to end 2020 on a bang and be able to say, hey, we got our NPS score. So all of a sudden I had, I had kind of an urgency of timing, both from a, I'm trying to get this project done. We want to roll it out to the company, and we had just experienced this pain. So it's kind of there was just this perfect mix of the really of our CEO being able to connect the dots and say, hey, like this is yeah, I don't know how we'll pay for it just yet. We'll we'll figure it out. Let's let's do it. And then the other part of this is that, you know, customer gauge, the way you guys responded is kind of like, well, normally normally we don't kick people off that fast and we'll we'll figure out how to fast track you. Yeah, we'll we'll get you up and running. And then the other part of it was that customer gauge had um, almost like a little bit of a tangent inside You know, your guys' sales process and just that closing of the sales process, you guys made it really easy. It's like, hey, you know, just kind of sign the dotted line. We'll get you started. We'll get you results before you even put any money into our bank account. Right. And the truth is, once those results came in, there was no question of the value of this program. There's like instantly everybody understood the value because that voice of the customer to be able to actually see what customers are saying in their language, hear their pain or hear their pleasure. You know, it really, it, 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 as soon as you see those results, it speaks for itself. And so it was, it was, uh, it was, you have know, that combination of factors. And the cool part about the, going back to the holiday party, we actually made a little poster in our virtual world. That we put up on the wall in kind of our main lobby of our virtual space and it showed our 2019 versus 2020 stats. And for our 2019 stats for uh, for our NPS score, I had question mark, question mark. And for 2020, we were able to put up our you know first NPS score of 44. And it was just this, it was a subtle little thing. And and honestly, at that point, most of the people in my company didn't even know what NPS was. Right. So that was their that was their intro to NPS, is like arriving to this one like totally you know, I, I, we basically popped a bunch of Evils VR cherries, and it was pretty cool. Um, so I had them arrive and, like, have this VR experience for their first time and then look up on the wall and see this, like, custom graphic that was an effortless graphic and, and you know, and have that be our introduction to MPS. It was cool. It was really cool. And the results of that survey, again, it just, like, the, the wisdom we were getting from our CSAT. Engagement that was really a user, you know, a user experience, um, you know, user experience for people who are engaging with us and having issues and actually using us. The learnings we were getting were just not, not even in the same ballpark as the level of learning we got from that first NPS survey.
2: So, Leif, I want to dive in because oh, there was a lot to unpack there, oh, a yeah. <laughs> But I do want to step back just one minute to help everyone understand what is Effortless Office? Tell me a little bit about what it is sure. you guys do. And I think that'll help paint a picture when we start answering these next couple of questions and where we're going with the program.
0: Understood. So Effortless Office is a national managed services provider. So we are essentially a, you could think of us in other ways as an IT partner or an outsourced IT partner. Uh, so companies hire us to do their IT for them. Now, what makes us unique in the space is both that we kind of have a national footprint and that we have uh, essentially our own private cloud. So we have a nationally redundant private cloud, aka like Amazon's uh, AWS or Microsoft's Azure, where we're able to bring clients and and really the way that technology is transitioning um, customer gauge. I mean, customer gauge is in the cloud, right? I can log into customer gauge from wherever I have access to a browser, that kind of ability to leverage the internet with local operations is where we have a hybrid approach to IT that allows us to, um, it just, it's kind of the new way the IT is going. There's a bunch of benefits. I mean, just, you know, for instance, you know, offsite backups, right? Where whatever data you've got going on locally is being stored in the cloud somewhere. Um, That's where we have our own private cloud. So it's, it's really kind of our combination of the technology backbone and technology infrastructure that we invested in to be able to have this capability with our kind of boots on the ground, managed services approach. And and further, I think the other thing that I would point to is a lot of technology companies focus on technology. We, you know, Quick Tech, uh, Best Tech, you know, it's like cloud tech, whatever, they're focused on the technology. From its inception, effortless has always been very focused on kind of customer service. We always knew that customer service was what separated us from our competitors. In other words, we're not really selling any unique technology. We are ultimately supporting, you know, really market prevalent technologies. So our differentiator is not in so much the technology as in how we support that technology. That's been part of our DNA, and that's why our name is effortless office. Because in our brand, we are essentially talking about our number one, uh, my mentor in the CX world calls it do for. What is What do we do for our clients, right? Well, our number one do for is we make technology effortless. And so it's just, it's part of our DNA. Like CX is really, it's already part of our brand. And and it's one of the or it's one of our differentiators, and it's one of the things that we'll continue to really focus on as our as how we as how we deliver excellent service it's really and and what's cool is that as this as our maturity in CX has grown, we've actually really go, really gone from thinking of ourselves as a technology company to thinking of ourselves as a CX company that just happens to deliver technology, which is such a cool. I mean that's a huge like mental shift, but it's so cool to to see happening.
2: I think anyone who's ever sat at their desk on day one, or a new system is rolled out, and you know it's not working, and you call over the IT department, and they treat you like like you're a complete idiot, it's so nice to have service up front of what you guys do, and and again, getting on the phone with anyone from your team or working with you guys, you feel that right out of the gate. So it sounds like there's. There's a service culture that was already in place of what you guys are providing as a solution. That, that let's be honest, nowadays everybody needs, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 I really have to give credit to our CEO. Um, he has been, you know, it's been. He actually talks about it from the perspective of he's he's a really smart guy, uh, and you know he got his MCSE. He's you know, um, you know basically Microsoft certified engineer and i'm forgetting the exact uh, the exact but you know he's a he was an engineer but he talks about like he got into engineering and technology and it not so much because he liked it he liked business he loves business and he, and he sees how technology empowers business so his he that's a been- bit his philosophy ever since he got started was it's really not about the technology, it's about supporting the business. And so that, that's one of the ways that we were able to move quickly was that when, when the connection of the pain point and the solution became really tangibly, you know, when it became tangible, like here's the pain and here's the solution, he already was bought in. You know, that's one of the things that I've noticed in, you know, in kind of appreciating where I'm at so a lot of companies, the first step of customer experience is to, like, to go try and make the case for the value of spending on customer experience. You're essentially having to like start from scratch say, hey, here's why customer experience is important. He already got that. So it's like, honestly, that's one of the reasons we were able to move so fast. We had already crossed that chasm of understanding the value. And it was just like pain, solution, bam, let's go.
1: And I'm kind of curious. So, like, you, you talk about having that C level buy in right away, which you're 100% right. We talked to a lot of companies, and that is the biggest struggle. So, that is a very nice situation to have. And you, you talked about rolling it out very quickly to, to get it for the party, to react to the pin, which, by the way, Kerry, we need a virtual 4th of July party uh, coming up. Uh, yeah, but I'm
2: already out. reaching out to a few companies. <laughs> okay, good. While we're doing um, this.
1: <laughs> but my, my question is like, with such speed, right? How do you get the rest of the company on board with this like i'm guessing you had sales reps that were getting feedback from certain accounts and things like that how did you kind of manage that process
0: well it's actually know so uh i want to hit on that time the topic of sales reps because really it's actually we haven't even rolled this out really to the to the sales facing side you know the pre-customer side of the experience yet um at this point it's all, it's all, you know, we've done two quarterly relational surveys to our client base. One of the things that makes effortless unique is how we structure our service delivery department. So we essentially have service delivery teams where each team, as opposed to having every one of our agents have to know all 100 customers, we've broken them up. So now, you know, each team, each team only has to know their subset of customers, which provides for a better customer experience. So it's, those teams are headed by a service delivery manager who are actually very high level, very skilled. Um, they're almost like uh, virtual CIOs or virtual CTOs. They're very high level skilled folks. They are the ones who are really, I mean, we, we've actually changed their commission structure or their the kind of bonus structure to actually weigh their NPS score into this. So we've really put them in the, you know, We almost didn't need to go wide to the whole company. It's like, there were a couple people that just needed to really understand this, this process, the tool and, you know, to create that value. So those, so that's really where it started was being able to roll it out to, to our service delivery managers, show them the results, you know, all of a sudden for them to be able to open up their client base. I mean, there's a quote from this, and, and I remember this distinctly, Is like one of our clients came back and, and didn't have a great NPS score. In our NPS um, lifecycle chart in customer gauge, they were in our red zone, right? And, uh, and they, were, they were on the, you know, they're in the 80% of our large revenue, I mean, they were a basically a big customer in our red zone. And I remember the service delivery manager saying, oh, like that surprises me. Every time I talk to the manager, He's like, oh, everything's great, right? And really, but his score on our MPS was not that high, and so it kind of revealed, like, oh, there's wow. I didn't even realize that this cl- this client was as unhappy as they are, and so it's been really through our service delivery managers that that's been rolling out. But it's now, you know, it's now something that's you know almost the leadership of our service delivery teams are being. Their NPS score is what are their top metrics that they're aiming for for the quarter, and and it's what is happening in terms of language you know, and what this, what this has done is it's really started to make people aware of how their little actions you know kind of roll up to a bigger picture, and and at the same time there's a lot more work to be done here. I mean that's part of my my next steps is really to continue marketing this knowledge internally. To help people understand how every little interaction, you know, goes towards, uh, you know, it, it makes a difference.
1: But I love that shift. And you guys have already done, in my opinion, the hard part, which is shifting from opinions to data. So, and, and I remember this, I actually hear this a lot because we talked to like clients like AB and Bev that have this exact same, uh, epiphany that is. If you ask the sales rep how the account is, everybody's like, yeah, good. No, it's all it's all solid. It's locked away. And then once you get this data flowing in, you're like, oh, wow, okay, there's actually some cracks in the foundation there. Interesting. And like you said, 80% of your revenue, if you didn't kind of get that data in, you would still be talking to that sales rep of like, how's the account going? And they would still be giving you the thumbs up. It's all okay. And I think that's right. that alone is just a powerful process to go through, not just for you guys, but for... Many companies out there just not even using CG, right? Like just getting that data in versus relying on opinions of of people. I think is is really um, transformational sometimes for for a lot of companies.
0: So I want to I want to jump off on that topic real quick because there's a guy who I I uh, who I have a lot of admiration for. A guy named W. E. Deming who is like the Godfather bringing Japanese manufacturing principles to the U S and, you know, kind of lean manufacturing and whatnot His his one of his, you know, basic concepts is the plan do act cycle. And that's where so many of us, I mean, so many of us just do right. Like we don't even do with a plan. So if you just start by planning and then doing, it's going to be that much better, but we fail. I mean, just across the board to do that check and act cycle. Right? It's like, after you've rolled it out, now let's go measure to see how it's doing. And then let's, and then let's revise, right? And that iterative design cycle, I mean, that's that's what the best companies in the world do. And that's, that's where Customer Gauge, he you know, has really helped us with that, you know, the check and act cycle. And it's revealing some things that we didn't, if we didn't have the visibility that Customer Gauge has given us, honestly, I, I'm not sure that we'd be seeing some of those patterns. I mean, I just had like a really like low-hanging fruit, this last survey we just did where somebody said, hey, I'm getting too many emails from you guys. When I, when I have an issue and I go to you guys, I'm getting too many emails from you guys. And you know, that's one user pointing out that issue. Well, that's every person who's opening a ticket is having that issue, right? The, the fix was so easy, I mean, like ridiculously easy in terms of how much effort it took us to fix that, that pattern. But in terms of the ripple effect of what that did for our clients, I mean, it's you know huge ROI, huge ROI from one little comment, you just never know. I mean, that's the thing is I, I literally go through all these comments and there's like just gem after gem after gem of of insights that I just wouldn't have had otherwise. We wouldn't have had otherwise.
2: But I like the contrast also that you that you made from the earlier, where in the satisfaction score, we look like rock stars sitting at 98. And now we roll out this relationship component and there's this whole gap of, you're not hearing from anyone. There's like this absence of signal. Fast forward it now to like, you're getting feedback that you wouldn't have gotten from a satisfaction score. You know, and you're getting all these little nuggets that you can act on. I, I, I love that contrast and that difference. And, and who in the hell in this world celebrates going from a perception of a 98 perfect score to a 44 your first time out and everyone's like cheering. I love that. So yeah. it's real actionable data, which, which I think is just an amazing part to hear from you. So let me put this in perspective for a lot of the listeners too. Most companies come to us and it takes us as long as it took you to roll out two relationship surveys, usually to get to their first. And you guys have just recently gone with your second relationship survey. So what have you learned? What was the difference between the first and, and, and the second one?
0: Our first survey, just, you know, the data, our first survey, we came back with a score of 44 and a, an engagement, uh, or a response rate of 11%, which according to Brandon, who by the way, shout out to Brandon, he's been amazing. Um, uh, you know, Brandon was like, Hey, this is actually, you know, like this, these are pretty darn good scores guys. Like for your first time out, like this is, you know, this is not too shabby and, Uh, And so just the data there 44 and 11% response rate on the second one, we came back with a 52 and a 10% response rate. So, you know, what did we learn again? It's like some of those little insights that what ends up happening, I think, is that at some point, you know, one from kind of comparing it to our old process of the customer satisfaction score survey, right? Like that happens after every ticket. So in some ways I think people get, you know, like fatigue and they just stop, you know, they just stop inputting. And I think it's also that there's a, you know, part of it is that if you look at it from the, in, you know, from a customer journey perspective, right? That one issue that I open, so I it's Monday morning, I open up my computer, something isn't right. I, I, call up effortless and say, hey, I need your help. You know, we've really, really talented agents. Um, agent fixed the problem. Like, awesome, I'm stoked that the problem was fixed. Issue is that problem keeps happening, you know, over a couple of weeks. So maybe they've had to call in for the same issue three weeks out of the, you know, out of a month, right? So each touch is a good experience. And the customer's saying, hey, thank you, agents. I really appreciate the agents. But really underneath it, they're like, but man, I'm frustrated that I have to keep you know, coming to you guys. There's just a, there's, there's a difference almost between the, the relational, the quarterly, like the mentality of somebody filling out the survey. Besides the fact that the survey format is different and kind of encourages encourages you know, both the, potentially um, the drivers of why the score as well as the open comment. Um, but I think it's just, for whatever reason, we got more constructive feedback during the quarterly than we were getting from our from our CSAT. So, um, so you know, what has it what has it kind of driven and what have we learned? So, one of the cool things is that you know now we had NPSs per team. So we set up you know we did our survey, we made it so that you know we are, we could segment our results by our service delivery teams. And so, it was very interesting to see you know we had one team one of our teams our first quarter came back with an mps of 71 and like very you know statistically significant results so they just crushed it on their first survey one of our teams came back with an mps of zero right like not not where we want them to be and i think that's another thing that kind of we really hadn't um even our lowest team was still at a, like a very high customer satisfaction score, but then they came back with a much lower score during the NPS. Um, and, and, and there's a couple of reasons, I think, again, because one, you have the individual interaction. An individual interaction is help, you know, dealt with well. You want to give that you know, agent thumbs up. You know, it's almost like you know the agent is being re- you know, ranked on this. You know you're going to be calling the agent again next week. You want to give them a thumbs up Uh, because you might need their help again. But that's where the the quarterly kind of reveals some of that, like, "Ah, the the interaction was good, but guys, I'm having to call you too often. And that's been one of our pieces of feedback, right? It's like, hey, like there's there's almost like underlying things that we got to look at these patterns. But here's the other thing I think is really important to point out. We just had a client come back. Actually, our lowest scoring team, so in terms of our difference between 44, 52, all of our teams showed improvements from last quarter to this quarter. And frankly, part of that is just straight, straight up saying, you're being, you know, you're now being ranked on these kinds of things and you should be paying attention to these kinds of things, right? And so I think just purely the awareness that like, this is something that they're gonna be, you know, that is gonna be going out at the end of the quarter and they're gonna be getting ranked on, I think was, you know, part of it, but, but our lowest ranked team really interesting insights in this last, this last iteration, you know, they went from a zero to a 10. So we're seeing positive direction, right? It's like progress, not perfection. Uh, but one of the interesting data points is that when we segregated the results by our job level, AKA our sponsors, you know, it's kind of the sponsors, the VIPs to our customers, AKA our managers, kind of frontline, um, I'm using ITIL terms, which are, you know, computer terms, uh, technology terms so you've got your sponsor the person who's paying for it your manager the person's actually kind of responsible for the consumption of services making people are using the services properly your you know it manager and then you've got your end users for this low scoring team we we looked at okay well how do we do for you know with sponsors versus the managers versus the you know end users and a very interesting thing came back you know, our end users had a NPS of like 37. You know, it's actually not that bad. But our managers and our sponsors, uh, you know, had a much lower score, essentially offsetting that score. So there's, it reveals to us partly that we have a perception issue. We're not doing a good enough job letting them know how good of a job we're doing, right? And, and they don't honestly have the internal, you know, it's like in some ways, we need to help close that gap for them and show them the data. This happened with one of our clients, one of our clients that end of 2020 was like really kind of on fire, unhappy, um, the very, very high needs client, I'll just put it like that. And 2021 quarter one, we really put a lot of effort into getting them stable, making them happy. And the, again, the manager there, the person who's really responsible spearheading uh, spearheading on their end has been, you know, kind of focused on the negative. And there's, I think a little bit of just maybe a personality thing there where it's just like, that's, you know, you're kind of a glass is half full or glass is half empty kind of person. And that's just the way the world and the human experience is right. And I think maybe, you know, maybe she's focused more on the negative. Well, when we actually got our results, The score for that client was like a 55. It was really very positive, um, especially kind of given where they were coming to their old IT experience compared to coming to us. Their older IT experience was just you know kind of fire after fire after fire. So for us to be able to now go to that manager, who's been, you know, who's been, again maybe a little more focused on kind of what wasn't working than what was working, and be able to say, hey, by the way though, your users. Really think this is working we do a we do a quarterly business review with all of our clients. I just got word from the service delivery manager just this week he did his service to, you know he did his quarterly review with that client that client came back and we were able to present these results and that manager who has been you know a little challenging came back and was like so stoked on you know on on the QBR process, seeing this data, knowing we're collecting data at this level, it's like all of a sudden her perception shifted as to how well we're doing because we have the data to say, hey, this is not opinion-based anymore. This is, you know, this is now fact. So another another uh, quote by this guy Deming that I really love is he said, in God we trust, all others bring data. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing.
2: Something tells me it's not the last time we're going to talk to you. I think, I think we're going to be talking to you really soon again to hear where you're at. But I do, do want to ask this question because you're still kind of new. You're to, to, to not only the customer gauge, but this new program, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of plans. But I guess everyone's curious. What next? Where do you go now? You've, you've done your second relationship survey. Um, you're getting comfortable with the tool, and, and, and you're seeing the value in it. Where does Effortless, effortless Office go next?
0: Sure. So, um, so at this point, we've been doing our quarterly relational. So just those alone have really yielded such value. Where we are going next is really getting this tied into some automation. So, so we recently invested in Salesforce and Salesforce is, you know, it's a, it's not as insignificant undertaking in terms of, you know, what it takes to get that set up and whatnot. And as we are looking at essentially having customer gauge be able to, you know, directly pull that data out of Salesforce, as opposed to us kind of manually uploading the data right now, we realize that we have to go back to our business process. Like basically, there's places where our business process needs to be re-engineered. Once we've outlined those business processes on paper, kind of again, done the plan and we'll actually implement that in Salesforce so that now, now our, customer journey has kind of some more automation in terms of, you know, they're at this step, these are the tasks that get created, you get moved to this step, these are the tasks that get created, et cetera. So our goal now is to really hone in on the, the process of onboarding. So, you know, when a client comes on board, you know, there's a intense, you know, one to three month, you know, transferring of their, you know, a migration, basically taking their kind of old solution and bringing it into, you know, bringing it, us getting our arms around, it, bringing it into our environment. And that process is something we really want to go, we want to look at in detail. So at this point, we are looking to put in some transactional touch points that corresponds to our onboarding process and, and really, you know, get a sense of, You know, right after the sales process, right after the client kickoff call, how are we doing? Right out the gate, how are we doing? You know, and that's going to give us kind of a reflection looking backwards on the whole sales process. And it's to help us know, you know, right off the bat, because it's kind of like in a a metaphor is, uh, if you're one or two degrees off, at first, you don't notice that it's not, you don't have enough distance to notice that being off. Right? But at two degrees off after you know, a while, then you're a you know, big distance off. And so our ability to, to like touch in right at the beginning and say, hey, are we, you know, are we totally in alignment and begin to fix things if we're, there's not perfect alignment right up front, now we can kind of tweak it and fix it right then. And you know, so just really focusing in on our customer onboarding process is where we are in for next.
1: I think that's smart. Kerry actually had a quote, what was it, last week, Kerry, uh, that you said something along the lines of churn, whether it be employee or customer, happens, you know, within the first piece of onboarding. It's it's basically sets the tone for the entire relationship. Uh, so I think focusing on that onboarding piece is, is really smart. And I think transactional touch points throughout the process, uh, it's going to provide a ton of data for you guys to, to pour through, which will be really interesting, I'm
0: sure. So that gets us the data, right? But the other part of it is the internal marketing of the data to my employees so that they understand, right? And the great part about this is I now have data for our voice of the customer program because I have all these quotes. And so that's the other part of this is continuing to really systematize this into our culture such that our, our, our employees really is just there's something about hearing it from the perspective, you know, through a customer's language that really makes it tangible. So that's the other part of this is just continuing to like internally market this through a voice of the customer program and really through understanding our customer journey, our customer life cycle, et cetera. I'm passionate about this stuff. Like, I think this is just such, such cool, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's honestly the title director of CX. It's like, I gave myself that title. I'm doing so many other things, but that's where I said, like, this is what's important to us as a company. And that's where I want to be in the future. What's awesome is that this data also is, you know, just as a little side story, maybe as a planting a seed for a future topic, we committed in 2020. I mean, when this, whole, when this whole pandemic hit our technology, you know, our technology allows people to work from anywhere, you know, log into their computer securely from anywhere. So not only were we as a company able to essentially snap our fingers when Vegas came back, it was like, hey, we're closing down. As soon as we got no news that that happened, we snapped our fingers, said, okay, everybody works from home tomorrow, and it went off without a hitch, like no, no yeah. issues. And all of our clients, you know, all of our clients got to benefit from that same, you know, that same thing. Well, it we it became so we proved as a company we could continue working through a remote work, you know, through a remote work setup. We actually made a commitment as a company to continue with our remote work. You know, I mean, frankly, you get rid of a giant office building and um, you know downsize it to a kind of an executive office and empower everybody to work from home. We were able to do that and we were able to make that commitment as a company because we have this data. Like if we didn't have this data, there's the you know, there's the old mentality as a company of like, ah, I could tell people are working because they're in their seats. Right. But once you have this data and you just are holding people accountable for results, we actually get to empower this, like this revolution of remote work that I am equally passionate about. So so plenty a get story for another time. or Plenty see for another time.
2: Exciting to hear your story. And like I said, I think this is the first installment of multiple times we're going to meet with you in here and, and be able to, t- to be able to tell your story.
0: I I'd love to be able to report progress, you know, holds me accountable. <laughs> there you go. We'll have you back for sure. You guys are, you guys are partners in my success.
1: So Leif, thank you so much for joining us again. Leif is the director of CX at effortless office. What an amazing story again. I uh, hope you guys got as much value as, as we do out of these, these stories, guys. Thank you for listening. Leif. Thanks again for being here and we'll, we'll talk to everybody soon.
0: Appreciate uh, Appreciate the opportunity guys. And really I'm I'm stoked for what custom gauges do for us. So